presence live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome, everyone, to today's Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, coming at you from the mothership here, right here in Fargo, North Dakota, between the cathedral and the railroad tracks. That's right, the Meadowlark Building. So happy to have you with us today on Real Presence Live. A wonderful, beautiful, summery day here in Fargo. I call it the two to three weeks between frost and mosquitoes, so we have to enjoy them as long as we have them. And it, it's great. It's wonderful. So uh, good to be here. Have a great show planned for you today. We have a local priest, uh, Father Gerard Braun, going to be with us in just a minute talking about Corpus Christi Procession. What is it and why is it so important, especially... Especially now. Yeah, exactly. Other great guests, too. We'll be speaking with a deacon, a deacon Mike Dodge in the second hour. Also some pro-life talk. And then we'll also have in the first hour, um, Paul Thigpen, Dr. Paul Thigpen, talking about a very interesting topic that you'll want to stay tuned for. So that's our show today. And let's begin, as always, with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many gifts you give us. The gift of life the gift of your Son and His Paschal mystery, and now the gift of the Spirit renewed again in Pentecost just a few days ago. We ask you to pour out that Holy Spirit upon us now, please, in a very powerful and strong way. Our world is in such great need of truth, of love, and of strength, and of courage. Supply that, Lord. Supply that through your Holy Spirit as you did through your apostles. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor as we pray. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome again to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser with Father Gerard Braun right here in studio. Welcome, Father. Good morning, Tim. Good to be with so you. So good to see you. I can't help but think, you know, as I'm looking at you a couple feet away here, mm-hmm. I don't know how many years ago, three, four years ago, four years ago, I guess, almost five now because our son wasn't born. But anyway, uh-huh. that great trip we had to Peru to Machu Picchu, wasn't that, that wasn't was that awesome? wonderful, yes. Father Paul Dukesher yeah. led the trip, and we all joined in a little bit of hiking and seeing a beautiful Ancient wonder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of hiking, to, to put it mildly, up at 13,000 feet. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember our guide, Juan Manuel, you know, th- this guy, you know, he was just up those hills, you know, in uh-huh. 12, 13,000. I mean, he just truck on. I'm sitting there sucking for air. He's just like, oh, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> He'd be sitting up at the top waiting for us, you yeah, know. But wonderful. anyway, what a great blessing, what a great blessing. Well, Father, um, a lot of our listeners probably know about you, but just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and um, how many yeah. years you've been a priest. Yeah, I grew up in Jamestown, mm-hmm. family of six. Um, was ordained in 1985 um, and began to serve in St. Joseph's and Devil's Lake, uh, the Newman Center in Grand Forks, St. Catherine's Valley City, St. Michael's in Grand Forks, and now, God blessings, uh, I was blessed to come to St. Anthony's Parish in Fargo here. I've been here about a year. Mm, wonderful. That's yeah. great. No, that's that's great. And quite a blessing wherever you've gone. I, I know people from St. Michael's know quite well, some mm-hmm. uh, close friends of mine. And uh, just, you know, thank you for your priestly service. We appreciate yeah, it. You're most welcome. Of course, one of the great things and privileges and needs that we have from our priests is bringing us Christ in the Eucharist. 
And um, we heard, always heard about this Corpus Christi, you know, the Feast of Corpus Christi. Maybe enlighten our listeners a little bit about what it is and why it's so important. Sure. Yeah, the Feast of Corpus Christi, of course, Latin for the body and blood of Christ. A great feast that began actually um, in um, the year 1246 in the Diocese of Liege. Mm. Um, and that was an interesting story how that began. Uh, Sister Julian, who was a prioress at a convent near there, near Liege, um, had a vision in which the church was um, presented as the moon, kind of a, a metaphor. And um, and then there was one dark spot on the moon, which represented, she was told, uh, a missing feast in the church. Mm-hmm. And so she brought that to um, the uh, the archdeacon at that time, who uh, turned out ultimately to become Pope Urban IV later on. But And the archdeacon brought it to the bishop of, of Liege, and he instituted then this feast of... Corpus Christi, in the year 1246 in the city of Liege. Um, and then and when he became Pope back in, um, well, eight, well, I think 12, 1260 or so, there was a miracle uh, at near Orvieto in Italy. And this miracle was the bleeding of the host, the precious body of Christ and his precious blood, uh, upon a corporal. And that priest took that corporal to then Bishop uh, uh, the Pope, uh, who was at Orvieto at the time, he brought it to him, and it's still there today. In fact, I saw it when I was on sabbatical back in the year 10th of 2010, I think. Um, and it was a beautiful uh, portrayal of this Eucharistic miracle, which helped, of course, this priest who had been doubting the real presence of the Eucharist uh, to some degree, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So then that's when Pope Urban um, made it then a universal feast in the year 1264, and uh, from that time on, it has grown. He also commissioned St. Thomas Aquinas back then, a Dominican friar, to write a mass uh, and uh, also the office, the Divine Liturgy of the Word, for this new feast of the church. And so you hear many of those beautiful hymns that Pope, um, that Thomas had written back then that are customary sung on Eucharistic processions. Um, I'm thinking of Pange, Tantum Ergo, Pange. Panis Angelicus, Pange yes, Angelicus. yes. Yes, and no solitaris hostia. Mm-hmm. So anyway. And the Anima Christi prayer is St. Thomas too, isn't it? I believe it yeah, is, yeah. yeah. So that was a beautiful ways to help um, um, pray and, and sing and worship our Lord and, and bring out the grail uh, truth of his presence in the Blessed Sacrament. That um, It had basically been believed for centuries until around, around that time, around the 11th, 12th century, um, some particular doubts began to be introduced about transubstantiation and whatnot, and, and thus... That's when the Lord, of course, comes to the to the front to help guide His Church through the Pope and and um, introduce then this new feast to help elevate the truth of this sacrament of our faith. Yeah. That's so true. Talking to Father Gerard Braun, now pastor of Saint Anthony's in Fargo, about the Feast of Corpus Christi. I love that history, Father. Some of it, I I kind of had pieces in my head, but you really tied it together very well. I like that, uh-huh. and I love your point at the end, summing it all up. Whenever there is a need mm-hmm. in the church. Obviously, God always gives us, and just imagine that host really seeing it, that bloody host, this is really the body and blood of Christ. I mean, especially to someone who's failing, and you know, their faith is failing. What yeah. a great, great witness and a great miracle yeah. that, of course, as you said, is still here today that can be shared by all. Truly, truly, that was a, a great need then, and it still is today. That's what we see happening. Uh, the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops now calling for a, a Eucharistic revival amongst yes. the faithful in our church. and. Uh, certainly in our own country, but the world over, I imagine, as 
as well. But in our own nation, um, that particular revival is going to be kicked off this year mm-hmm. on the very feast of Corpus Christi uh, in two weeks, uh, whatever that date is, uh, June 20th. Yeah, it's, so this coming week is the Trinity, and then the week, I think it's the 20th, that's, it'll be not this Sunday, but of course the Sunday following is right. Corpus Christi. Yep, yeah. exactly. Cause Trinity Sunday is this coming Sunday. Yep. Yeah, and so one of the things uh, that help bring about then this revival is to um, put some more solemnity into this beautiful feast by hopefully engaging um, all of our parishes and our diocese to celebrate uh, Corpus Christi with a, maybe a procession, um, certainly adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and uh, to begin this year, this first year of the revival, it's kind of um, kind of introducing this uh, f- this revival for the clergy, uh, for parish staff, diocesan staff, bishops, um, and taking time to really um, begin to ourselves uh, enter into a more Eucharistic adoration, um, a devotion, a prayer, um, to let the Lord truly enrich and strengthen our own faith, that we can continue to preach and pass that on in our by our own faith and, and practice, and then preparing for the second year of this revival, which will be the diocesan revival beginning. Oh, this is that the, um, the diocesan revival kicked off this year, but then the year of the parish revival will begin next year, again on the Feast of Corpus Christi, I believe, on June 11th, uh, the second phase of this uh, revival of the Blessed Sacrament of Real Presence. And um, there'll be at that time uh, some more planned events such as um, missions, um, preaching, of course, in our from our pulpits, um, whatever revival opportunities could be made present. Um, and additional, uh, this year, with this diocesan revival, we're going to be celebrating the Redeemed Eucharistic Conference, uh, September 23 through 24. That's this fall, uh, to help elevate that within our own diocese. So, Yeah, that's so true. You, you, you mentioned this, and, and it, it's so important because... Um, as you know, polls show you know that you know probably a, around a quarter to a third maybe of Catholics really believe in the real presence, the source and summit of our faith. Yeah. It, it's, it's the bedrock, and and and, it, and it's so important. So this this Eucharistic revival is wonderful. And I can certainly tell you, I, as you know, I work part time at the diocese as well as a mm-hmm. respect life director. Uh-huh. Boy, our focus in, in every office, our focus is. This this Eucharistic revival, this Eucharistic Congress, and and I'm I'm so blessed. We have uh, well, Teresa's dad actually, the the former uh, executive director of RPR, Steve Sponskowski, is kind of spearheading that from our office mm-hmm. and doing a wonderful job, you know. And, and it's so great to see someone with fervor and that great belief in the Eucharist, you know, leading this. And I was just walking out out of the the diocesan offices a couple of days ago, and I saw Bishop Folders coming in, and I had to actually miss a meeting he was going to be at. And I said, "Sorry, Bishop, I got to miss the meeting." I said, "But you know." I said, I really think the Holy Spirit sent you a good man and Steve Sponskowski yeah. first. He said, he really did, you know. So yeah. that love of the Eucharist and working so closely. So it's, and it's important, that, that personal witness. And let's talk about that for a little bit because, you know, I'm so happy you're having this, this procession. Uh-huh. Because what that tells your parishioners is the Eucharist is important to you. So maybe just a few words on why the Eucharist is so important to you and what you hope to get across to your parishioners through this. Sure. Well, first of all, the founding of our, of our faith coming from the Lord himself as he spoke about the Eucharist, especially in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel, the Bread of Life Discourse, where, and that's what really convicted my heart when Jesus had told the people three times, you know, truly, truly, you know, believe it. Yeah, <laughs> this exactly. is my body you will chew on, and, my, and then, of course, the word. So that, I remember that, that, that deep, profound understanding of that Jesus really meant this. He wasn't talking symbolically. And, of course, to come before the Lord in prayer and adoration, 
um, spending a holy hour. Um, that's so critical, I believe, for our priesthood, for our people to spend time before the Lord to um, to allow that relationship of with Christ to be nurtured in that most intimate moment of his presence and especially to receive him in the Holy Eucharist at Mass. Um, I mean, he is, well, as our church says, the, the source and the summit of our faith is the, the foundation of the Eucharist. But to be able to not just talk about it in that kind of abstract way, but to sit with God and pray and listen, listen to him speak in his word. And so, yeah, that's, it's, without it, I wouldn't be a priest. I mean, without yeah. the real belief in the real Eucharist, and of, uh, that is the, the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And, and that, that that's something that is uniting the church, God's people. He's the head, we're the body of Christ throughout the world and throughout 2,000 years of faith. We are always centered around the Eucharist. Yeah, so true. And and I love your point about being with him and being in prayer. That's so important. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're, we're such a busy, busy society. All these things. I don't have time for this, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, wait a minute, you know, what's the most important thing? It's, it's that prayer. I can tell you, and I'm talking with my wife too, the whole idea of when we go to adoration, mm-hmm. no matter what's been happening, what's been going on, you always leave there with a sense of peace, with a sense of joy. Not that all your problems are solved, but you know mm-hmm. who has the answers. Yeah. And you know that you're yeah. open to, Lord, what do you want? And, and we go forth trusting that faithfulness. You know, So that's not like mm-hmm. it eliminates all our problems, but yeah. we know who's taking our problems around and how to get it. And I think that's so important in this day and age because people want this instantaneous fix, right? I want this, I want this right now. It's like, yeah. okay, the Lord works in his way in his time, but yeah. you have to give him yeah. time in yeah. his way. Truly, to be nourished by yeah. Him and His presence um, is a, is a transformation, just yeah. as we believe in the transubstantiation yeah. of bread and wine into His real body and blood. So He transforms our soul. And um, that transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit. He sends us and His very presence in the Eucharist to slowly, you know, mold our hearts and transform our mind, our thinking. And that's a process that's a mystery, but it's God's action in us when we open ourselves up to him, as you said. And that's the crucial thing. He will never force himself into our lives. Um, you can't force feed any child if he doesn't want to eat, no matter how much you, you, know, you try to <laughs> yep. stick that spoon in his face. Well, that's maybe an analogy or an image, but I don't know that the Lord would ever force himself into anyone because love doesn't do that. We have to open ourselves up to this God who gave his life on a cross for us to let him love and nourish and change our hearts and into his heart and fashion it into his own his own heart. Yeah, at that invitation that Christ gave back, like you said, in John 6. And the PR people for Jesus would have said, what are you saying? People are leaving in droves mm-hmm. because he's saying the truth. And some, sometimes this happens today. We're speaking the truth of Christ, the truth of the Eucharist. Some may leave. Yeah. So be it. God is in control. Yeah. Even if we're smaller, we are more uh, devoted to the Eucharist. We are stronger. And, and that's what we do. We move forward. Yeah. We're talking with Father Gerard Braun here about Corpus Christi and the beauty of the Eucharist. When we come back after the break, we will continue. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone, all human beings. My name is Tim Mosey, your host today on Real Presence Live, coming at you from the Fargo studio between the cathedral and the railroad tracks. We have Father Gerard Braun in the house talking about Corpus Christi, the importance of it, the meaning of it. He gave a great history. If you missed it, I get the podcast, Great History of, of uh, Eucharistic uh, Procession. It's wonderful. And the, and the adoration, the Corpus Christi feast, I guess I should say. And, you know, Father, I was thinking over the break, um, I remember my wife and I went to Rome on a pilgrimage, uh, gosh, about probably 10 years ago, not eight, nine, 10 years ago. And one of the highlights, we were walking through Rome and they were having the Corpus Christi procession. I think it's from John Lateran to Mary Major. I, th- I think uh, the route's changed now, I think, with, with Pope Francis. But Pope Benedict was the Pope back then. Mm-hmm. And I just remember three things. I remember just the outpouring of people. is just amazing. So the people, number one. The second thing, this, this sense of awe and wonder that I experienced. Uh-huh. I mean... Even though you know I, we know that you know, belief in the real presence maybe may not be as high you know high a percentage as it was, there's still Jesus being there makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, it, it really is. And and then then the third thing is just being in the presence of the Pope. You know, the successor of Peter as he brings Christ to us was just yeah. wow. And to think of this un 
unchanging, unbroken line of over 2,000 years of Christ leading his church, you know, yeah. through, through the popes. So anyway, yeah. it, was just, it was just a very, very powerful moment, this procession. So uh, That's may, awesome. Maybe talk a little bit about what, what's the purpose of the procession? Why do you do it? And I think you've done it in other parishes that you've been in as well. Yes, uh, participating in, uh, especially I remember when I was stationed at St. Catharines in Valley City near there Mm -hmm. in in Daisy, North Dakota. Mm -hmm. St. Mary's, a country church out in the country, has carried on a Eucharistic procession on Corpus Christi, the feast, uh, for many decades now. Mm, Wonderful. A great tradition in which they uh, have a shelter belt around the church. And in between the shelter belt, people are walking in that procession, stopping at the stations for prayers and, and blessings. The children are dropping petals. And so that's a grand tradition. Wow. Uh, I was there back as a seminarian with Bishop Driscoll back mm-hmm. in 1981, I think. You're not that old. <laughs> I, I know, but it's kind of fun to participate in back then. Anyway, um, then at St. Michael's, we uh, often did uh, processions in union with the other communities, uh, Holy Family, I think, and St. Mary's, where we did a procession on a particular feast day of, of Corpus Christi um, about five years ago, I think, and brought Eucharist uh, from Holy Family all the way to St. Michael's and and uh, so continuing that tradition this year, especially now introducing these opportunities for the Eucharistic procession for all of our churches, kicking off this year of revival for the real belief in the real presence of Christ in his Eucharist that he gives to us at every Mass and in the tabernacle of every church, Catholic church in the world. So to help us open ourselves up to this. Processions began, uh, I think even uh, St. Um, Augustine talks about it in the, in the West and then in the East, it was, I think, St. Cyril uh, talked a little bit about processions, but they didn't really become more public and prominent until after the Feast of Corpus Christi was introduced by Pope Urban in 1264. Uh, then processions began, especially in earnest uh, with the, um, I think, with the Protestant Reformation and lack of belief in the real presence. Then for the church to say, no, this is truly our Lord whom we follow we are on a pilgrimage, and he is our God, our shepherd, who leads us in truth in his Son. And um, so you'll see uh, grand processions back in the Middle Ages where uh, many times the whole communities would be in lining the streets, much perhaps like you saw there in Rome. Yes, and, yes. And uh, they would be bringing the Blessed Sacrament in under a canopy, um, and then with incense leading the way, and servers with candles on, on either side, and front and back, and... and uh, yeah, kind of an opportunity for us to say we are people in pilgrimage following Christ our Lord and we hold him up as the one we adore and worship, our God, who gave his life for us on the cross to save us from, from death and sin. And um, interesting, this morning, I, I didn't think about it before, but I think processions, of course, go way back, if you want to think about it this way, to the time when Moses led them out of Egypt. And from Mount Sinai, they command to, you know, Take these ten these tablets and put them the ten that is the two tablets the ten commandments along with a staff of Aaron and uh, some of the bread the manna, manna mm-hmm. and was placed in this ark this box that was called the ark of the covenant and it led the people through the desert so today in the uh, liturgy of the hours the uh, divine office prayed by the priests and religious and laity of a church we see Joshua coming to the foot of the river of Jordan River to cross over now for the first time into the promised land and and the procession is following the Eucharist at that, at that point it wasn't the Eucharist but I mean the covenant the ark of the the, the covenant which was um, leading the people and so that maybe is a foreshadowing if you will just like the manna was a foreshadowing of Christ's presence in the Eucharist um, this food from heaven that 
fed the Israelites, so we are fed by Christ in our hearts, our souls, our spirits. So that was a beautiful image there. Um, and it continued on from there that processions uh, have been always a way for the church to to remind ourselves of this is Christ and we are his people and he leads us to his Father and we must follow in his footsteps. So, so I love that imagery. And as you're talking there, Father, a few things come to my mind. You're so right on about the, the prefiguring of the Eucharist. You know, mm-hmm. going back to Melchizedek, Genesis 14, he offers bread and wine, right? Then yeah. talking about Moses, you know, the word of God, the ten tablets, the bread of life, manna that sustained them in the wilderness. It's so, and Joshua yeah. crossing over, and the ark's there, and, and, and the river backs up, right? The Jordan yeah. stops, you know, the, 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 the taking the ark out in battle against the Philistines, you know, in Samuel. David bringing yeah. the ark in Second Samuel up up to Jerusalem, you know, yeah. dancing for it. I mean, yeah. it's all there. Of course, Mary being the new ark of the covenant, as you mm-hmm. know, the word of God and the bread of life. So it's all there when we see it. Yeah, amen. It's so good. Well, Father, let's talk a little bit about uh, St. Anthony's itself. What are you planning to do now specifically at St. Anthony's uh, Parish on Corpus Christi? Well, um, taking our bishop's invitation to, uh, to really help kick off this year of mm-hmm. revival for the Eucharist, uh, we decided we're going to offer an, a procession at every Mass. Wonderful. Um, it'll be a small procession, of course. <laughs> sure. um, but following Mass, uh, according to the prescription, we'll take the, our Lord from the altar in, from the, in the monstrance and carrying Him out around our church property and then back into the church for the final blessing and benediction. So that would be uh, carried out at all of our five liturgies. And um, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a way just to kind of say... Let's take this to heart, and let's keep our prayer going. Um, currently, we only have adoration uh, on, on the evening of Thursday every week mm-hmm. at St. Anthony's, but hope to introduce then a, maybe a full day on Thursdays as we enter into the fall season, um, closing in on that uh, Eucharistic Revival, uh, Sema, or the Redeemed Conference in September, to help begin that initiation and prayer for that to have a adoration. I know, of course, that Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, uh, there's Perpetual adoration. 24-7, so, yep. Yeah, so I think um, not wanting to compete, I know it's, yeah, so, well, like you mentioned earlier, we're also busy people making time for prayer for that important time to nurture that relationship with Christ. It's a challenge in our culture, so finding people to step forward, is, it's not so simple, I'm sure, but yet it is so crucial and important. If we are going to allow the Lord to transform our hearts, we have to open up the heart. We have to give him space. We, there's no better way to do that than in sitting down and listening to him and, and being present with him. Um, prayer is, is critical for us as Christians, as Catholics, if we're going to be walking with Christ. The greatest prayer, of course, coming to Mass every Sunday, even that we see a great struggle in our culture. So many not coming to worship the Lord, not understanding their need to receive him. It's it's a kind of epidemic. If you, we're worried about a pandemic taking care of our physical health these these last two years. Well, there's a spiritual pandemic, I believe, and mm-hmm. if that could be used that terminology, uh, of the people's um, absence from worshiping God on Sunday, even in our Catholic faith. What are we seeing? Only what twenty five, thirty, forty percent going on a pretty regular basis. Right, and right. That's, that's not good. So. Yeah, that's what we're going to begin to do at our parish at St. Anthony's, and I'm not sure what the other communities are doing in town, but until the diocese. I, I think that's wonderful, Father, because, you know, two things come to mind. Number one, and I want to encourage all priests, regardless of what, what you think might be the, you know, the, the temperature of your, your parishioners or whatever, 
you are our spiritual father of that diocese, of, of that, sorry, of that, the bishop of the diocese, of, of, that, of that parish. And just like, I know some of us didn't have the greatest relationship with our dads growing up. I get that. However, let's think of what a father is called to do. A father is called to love and to lead. Mm-hmm. Love and lead and always. And so I want to encourage you. Love and lead. Love your parishioners. Lead them. I'm so, so grateful for you, Father, because I know of your devotion to the Eucharist. I know of your devotion to your parishioners. And you're saying as Papa, this is important to me. And I know for me growing up, mm-hmm. what was important to my dad was important to me. Mm-hmm. And when I saw my dad bowing before the Eucharist, my dad in humble homage, prayer, and adoration, that mm-hmm. inspired me. So I want to encourage yeah. you, priests, your devotion to the Eucharist is going to be such an important example and opportunity for your parishioners. So I, I, I want to thank you for that, Father. And just yeah, realize how important you. that is. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story, too. Yeah, I, you're right about dads. I, I remember my dad, you know, kneeling down in church and praying and, and talking to us about the importance of prayer. And, and it really does. It begins to form on, on levels of the heart that only the mystery of the Holy Spirit knows. That's so critical for our dads to lead in, in a culture today, um, yeah. as always. But Exactly. Yeah, so important. And of course, this Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ, we, we, we cannot live without it. We cannot live. You know, of course, the Council of Trent, you talked about earlier, the, you know, the Reformation. Oh, that's when Trent, you know, mm-hmm. transubstantiation, this really and truly is the body and blood of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity given to us. That's food for our journey that we need, the grace that we need, as you talked about, for our spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Anything else? You've got about a minute left, Father. Anything else you'd like our listeners to, uh, to take away from this, uh, this morning? Um, first and foremost, that all of us would be a people, again, recommitted to prayer. And as, as the location and proximity allows for us, depending on our jobs and places in our homes, but to be able to make our way to the church and sit with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle and to begin to nurture a relationship with Him in the Eucharist. This, this year of revival, uh, now is the beginning when we, as I think as you mentioned earlier, Tim, um, that uh, given the lack of per- belief in the real presence, given the, the kind of falling aside, even if the numbers are small, yet out of that strength, that's, that, that, that small strength, yet comes the mighty, uh, the, the power for God to begin to rejuvenate and, and reform. That's so good, Father. Father, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Up next, are we alone in the universe? Dr. Paul Thigman will talk about it. Coming right back. Thank you. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 